So, hello, Horace. Uh, I sense that Rome is burning, but perhaps it's a secret. Uh, spring has broken out in the north, northern hemisphere, and I've had an opportunity to drive, not really ride on interstates, but drive some back roads. In both cases, um, the drives were great, curves and open spaces at speed. It was delightful. But I noticed signs everywhere that the car world is atrophying. So as I decelerated when entering a small town, I noticed two reasonably modern buildings completely empty. It reminded me of a tweet you had posted a few months ago about empty shopping malls. In the first case, it was a former bank with the drive through lanes still open, one of them illuminated. In the second case, it was an empty big box sort of white goods lumber yard. I asked a nearby relative about the bank. Oh, that's been closed for six or seven years. Most of our banking is online. Deposits, apps, electronic transfers. I accelerated, and I thought about our conversation with David Levinson in a SimCar 7. He noted all of the cultural changes that have led to reduced driving, and I sense this is accelerating. The second data point I noticed recently was that small towns, there was an article actually here in Madison in the local uh, newspaper's website, that small towns may not have a grocery store or clothing store, but in fact they often have a car dealership. And they wrote an article about Ford providing a $1.5 million uh, loan to a small dealer to build a new facility. And I found that interesting. In the era of Amazon Prime, digital goods, Ford upping the ante by investing in bricks and mortar. And the third data point last week, there was an article where the, the guy that runs the Wisconsin Department of Transportation was talking about their declining fuel tax revenues. Americans are driving fewer miles and more fuel-efficient vehicles. Obviously, the arrival of Uber, Lyft, the growth in public transit, along with better information about public, public transit, has affected the amount of driving people do, along with the efficiency of their cars. And then the fourth data point that I found interesting was the growth in subprime car loans. Obviously, financialization, which we've talked about, allows manufacturers to continue raising prices and playing the money game. And finally, again, something we've talked about, over dinner and drinks with good friends, we talked about their athletic and academic teenage son's complete lack of interest in driving. He simply won't take the wheel. And they were, they've been astonished, and they resorted to a bribe. They said, isn't Jim's GTI slick? What if we traded for one of those? So my sense, Horace, is that Rome is burning, <laughs> and maybe we're in a bread and circuses moment with respect to cars. The jobs to be done are fading away. Prices and regulation are up. And Moore's Law, along with lots of other changes, are chipping away at tradi the traditional markets and car jobs to be done. What do you make of this? Who are the winners and losers, Horace? What, what will happen in the next few years? Well, yeah, I, I kind of, uh, the, the notion that Rome is burning, I think the it's not necessarily um, what you painted isn't necessarily a, a bad thing. I think the the uh, the idea that car consumption might be go going down is is not a bad thing. I think the the way I would look at it is the less driving, um, maybe the better. What what um, I've always thought that disruption in the auto industry will not come from um, a different car. It will come from no car. Um, it'll come from people finding other ways of 
of getting things done um, without moving their atoms around. Um, so I, I, I think the auto industry is going to be facing this, this um, reduction in consumption, the peak moment uh, in, in the automobile. But let me, you know, let, let, this is a complex multi, multi-dimensional issue. One, one aspect I think that's actually positive is that, of course, the impact on the environment would be re- reduced. Um, the more, less transportation, the less energy, and the less carbon um, given the current fuel, um, fuel infrastructure. Um, and I think that you, 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 have, you, you mentioned the reduction in, in tax revenue from, from, uh, from gasoline tax. Um, by the way, a lot of the things you mentioned are are happening in uh, in other parts of the world, uh, not in China in particular. In, in you know, as a, as an exception almost, but but certainly in Europe, um, more and more. I was in a I was in a meeting um, in Munich, and I uh, people were were openly discussing or or sort of comparing notes on um, car sharing type of services. And that one fellow said that um, he uses an app when he deci- decides on a journey, uh, the app uh, gives him options in terms of uh, driving, public transport, and uh, getting a, a car sharing uh, service, which actually is becoming more mainstream now in Germany. And, and the automakers are, are getting in on it. Um, so they're making more more vehicles available specifically for it. Um, so, you know, it, behavior is changing i think the the finally you know just while i'm taking tangents one one of the tangent that i want to point out and this is, this is something i remember because i'm of a certain age i remember in the 1990s people were talking about the paperless office do you remember that i do i do horace yes i <laughs> and and I remember remember the result uh, more paper than ever <laughs> of course but, but the funny thing is that actually today and I was just listening to an, a a podcast by Mark Andreessen um actually no sorry not Mark Andreessen it was it was um it was Andreessen Horowitz but it was uh, Ben um Benedict Evans with uh, with uh, um Sinovsky uh, oh, with with Sinovsky, right, right. right? And and Sinovsky was they were talking productivity, and and Sinovsky pointed out that startups today, um, if you go visit visit a, a a company in Silicon Valley, you can't find a printer. In fact, they kind of hide them, or they don't bother about you know acquiring one. Um, and you know we 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 laughed about. We laughed about the printerless office or the paperless office, I should say, in the 90s. But it's actually happening. It is happening much more. I don't remember. Sure. 20 years what, later, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 20 years. That's what yeah. it took. Yeah. But it did happen. And so to some degree, you know, we can, we can, we can mock the, the idea of, of uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the driverless commute. But it's, it, it will happen. It's only a question of when. Um, it was also it, it was an OPEC oil minister. I don't know which one who said that 
the end of the end of uh, the Stone Age didn't come about because we ran out of stones. And the end of the uh, the end of the oil era will not come because we run out of oil. It's going to come because we find something better to do, and that's where I think the this whole idea of as as you, you noted this sort of idea of moving moving um, electrons and not atoms is is what what may enable a lot of this to happen. Now, the 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 the, the laughing phase is is coming to an end and laughing phase was that uh face-to-face meetings cannot be replaced by 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 um um this teleconferencing or online meetings right right. or online meetings and for that was true for a long long time decades decades go by and people say haha you know it's not going to happen but here we are and i'm in europe and you're in wisconsin and we're we're fine. There's no latency. Then we can have a conversation. I don't remember the last time that I I felt that um, you know I needed to even use a phone uh, to make calls. I think that the bandwidth is available for us to use everything, all this communication for free, and it's all high resolution. It's high fidelity. It's it's uh, now with VR we might even get there. In fact, these Oculus type devices aren't so exciting to me as a game console or some kind of a social media. But I'm, I'm, it's very exciting as a way to engage in a meeting because you might actually get, get through uh, the, 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 the awkwardness of, of, uh, of an interaction. Of course, you might be dealing with a virtual version of yourself because you're, you know, you're, you're not – going to be on, on camera wearing one of those things. But it, it, this is where innovation happens. This is where people figure something out. And, and so that, to me, it's, yeah, the Rome is burning is, is in a way maybe a, the wrong analogy, but it's it maybe a better way to think about it is as, as, um, as disruption is coming, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, well, yeah, I'm still was, encouraged. Yeah, was, go ahead. I was thinking about it from the the legacy players, let's say, <laughs> the car, the car manufacturers. Well, the car manufacturers are, are you know about 50 years overdue uh, for <laughs> for for a change because yes. it you know we've been talking about this absence of um, of uh, turnover that there are not they are not allowed to fail. That they are, you know, rigid in their in their responses, and Tesla is nothing more than a proof of of the the, the you know the sleeping um, at the switch phenomenon. Um, you can you can attack you can attack symmetrically an incumbent if that incumbent is simply unresponsive, uh, doesn't realize that that they're under attack and won't respond. Normally you assume that your opponent is 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 sharp and fully engaged and engaged <laughs> right. and, and ready to defend themselves. But in this case, they're not. They've never had to defend themselves. Well sort of the Japan Japan was a disruption. Japan was a was a um it well it was an incomplete disruption. I think that that's the the problem. I think that 
the the the, the hypothesis that Japan disrupt they would have disrupted had government not governments not stepped in and and uh, protected the industry to some degree. Notice, so so just just let's step back a moment and remember that era. So during the 1970s, Japan uh, developed its auto industry, or rather, export industry. Um, and right, and they were resource poor, so they had to be more efficient with their steel, their imports, their fuel, everything. Right. Right. Well, Compared they, to the they US, had. Anyway. They had a a an economy that was less. Um, uh, th- that was less wealthy in a way, uh, and and that let them build things a little bit more efficiently. But also, they they um, they had a um, an industrial policy, so they were government directed to to a large degree, and and therefore more rational in a way when you're trying to do when you're trying to do a, um, a execute on a strategy. And the industrial policy worked very well. In fact, it was adopted by the Koreans. It was adopted by the Chinese later as well. So this was this was an, uh, uh, an export-led economy that that had as a, you know a guiding principle and marshalling the industry to follow this this Ministry of, of uh, Industry and Trade uh, directive. It was a not a socialist model, but it was a very much a a sort of a di- directed model or dirigisme, as the French would say, sort of government in, in the director's seat. But the, the, the point is that Japan, using um, this technique of, of uh, directive approach, did, did disrupt it to some degree the U.S. In fact, but what they did is they took a large market share until the point of political pain was reached, and the the uh, you know under pressure, they uh, moved plants to the United States and eventually to Europe as well, and became domestic in a way. They went native, um, and they went native and and managed to to uh, settle on a certain market share. I think had there been a free market. Japan would have completely taken over the U.S. Um, in fact, it, the, the, the way it worked out in, in the most extreme case was actually in, in, in the U.K. In the U.K., all the incumbent automakers were, were uh, essentially uh, either shut down, merged, or acquired. Uh, the, the, uh, the auto industry in, in England, post-war auto, Industry was was probably the largest, second largest in the world. Uh, it was the largest in Europe, uh, and they became they were completely decimated by the time Margaret Thatcher took over, and and that has played out to 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 the nth degree, um, and and certainly now the, there are iconic brands, but they're all owned and managed elsewhere. But the the point is that, in fact, that allowed. Uh, the UK to actually still be an excellent center of excellence, if you will, um, in automotive industry. They are, they are um, some of the most innovative uh, thinkers right now are in the UK. And I, we, we talked about Gordon Murray. Uh, he's thinking about ice stream and new production techniques. 
we can look at the uh, the fact that almost all racing uh, uh, firms or, or auto racing um, sure, uh, the infrastructure, the supply infrastructure, the, they're all in the in, in England. Even if they're nominally uh, the Indy cars and, and many American racing cars are made in England. Uh, many one many brands that we think of or or um, these um, teams that are European are actually made in England. Uh, even the, the Germans ask the British to make their racing cars. Only the Italians, I think, Ferrari is based in, in Italy, but every other Formula One team is based out of England. Now, that's just, okay, that's a niche, but but the fact is that they have great engineering talent in, 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 uh, in the industry, and, and they, some of the greatest brands are still being built in England. From Rolls Royce to Bentley to Aston Martin to uh, uh, to Mini, which is uh, still made in England and though owned by by BMW, um, and so so there's there are there are these these things that actually maybe the fact that UK faced uh, faced a crisis in its in its core industry of autom- automobile manufacturing allowed them to kind of Abandon that and sort of focus on 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 engineering, and design, and brand and managing managing things, as far as the the you know the experience of 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 what a car is, and that allowed them actually to get back into manufacturing, even though there there was ownership elsewhere. So there there's there there are interesting uh, questions about the whole industry in that sense of of. What is dynamic and what isn't? I, I'm, uh, yeah. So I, I see things always with a silver lining. As sort of, if you think of the negative aspects of of the U.S. car culture and the U.S. Industri- industrial uh, decline, but you also see things like Tesla. You also see um, see uh, new new uh, sure, you new have initiatives. The car sharing, the Ubers and, and the Lyfts. And exactly, all those, things, those right? are American based. Mm-hmm information systems based uh, automobile and it, it i feel like we're in the cusp of something here that that the pressure of decreased consumption the uh, the increase um or the tr- transition to a knowledge economy and the knowledge and communication systems that are emphasizing um uh, non-consumption as an alternative uh, it, it 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 could lead to a renaissance. It could lead to a rethinking of the of the transportation sector. That I think we can look at the UK as having um, a, as an example of that, and, and, and you know the positive things that have occurred there as a result. Uh, now the downside of that is that employment doesn't get uh, hasn't recovered. This is back to the to the whole dilemma of innovation, which which may cause efficiencies and reallocation uh, of resources, may not also empower people, um, and and may may be not have the uh, the same impact as the enabling or empowering innovations that that preceded that. But we'll have to wait and see because there there might be there might be new jobs, new types of jobs created. Um, exactly. I, you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned the, the paperless euphoria because 
I, I am old enough to have gone through that. And one of the more interesting events, actually there's two that sort of stick in my mind uh, from that era. One is um, Exxon, huge oil company, of course, entered the office uh, computer business for a while because they saw this paperless, you know, this, this thing happening, and of course it failed and they weren't in it very long. Um, but then, um, you know, going to college and then uh, when I would travel more during the paper era, I would often use something in the U.S. called Kinko's, you know, where you could uh, print things out before your meetings, you know, your slides or w whatever they might be. And, of course, that is mostly gone, but I remember uh, FedEx purchased Kinko's, oh, maybe six, seven, maybe even ten years ago now because they saw this change, you know, in, in I can't remember the last time I have sent overnight documents. It has been quite a while. And, uh, or, you know, documents that needed to be signed or things like that. Today it happens either via email or sometimes there's a secure transmission method. So when I, when I think about Rome is burning or all these changes that you discussed, it's, it's like this death by a thousand cuts to the traditional model, but then as you say, there's a whole new ecosystem or set of ecosystems opening up, and I think uh, your discussion in Munich about the apps uh, I've been using something called City Mapper a little bit. It's in um, New York, uh, London, Berlin, and Paris. And they do exactly as you described. Uh, you're, you're at a certain point, and it says, oh, you can take the subway, the tube, or the um, walk, or, or here's the bus routes. And it, it seems like that information layer, as we've discussed before, is where the value is shifting in a big way. And so they're not even considering the car, right? So that means a family that might have had two cars, now they have one, and maybe someday they'll just be a car sharing and that's it. So I, I agree with you. I think there are huge new opportunities uh, that will take some time to play out. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm trying. I think that's what the show is all about. It's like we're trying to really understand how one of the most important industries is being is 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 facing these 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 tremendous pressures it's like you know uh, uh um what is that in in the immovable object meets and you know an infinite force or something like that yeah they're that. in a vice they have regulation and taxes and all sorts of things on top and then they have the the buyers you know sort of withering away at the bottom yeah, yeah. And so the forces are acting on this industry which are Tremendous forces, and 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 the, both from from encroaching from 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 new vectors of 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 value capture, like through information systems, and at the same time, the pressure from below, from lack of of consumption and reduction in in habit or change in habits, and the you know the U.S. is is somewhat of a difficult example because it is so. The infrastructure is so dependent on the automobile, the, the way people live, the spread out nature of housing that um, that you need to not look at the whole at the whole country. You need to look at, at, at very small subsets of it. So you might look at, you know, New York and New York City. You no, know, very few people. It doesn't make sense to own a car. Um, New York City, maybe even parts of Boston and San Francisco, you you just have enormous issues with finding uh, finding parking and find you know dealing with with congestion, um, and so people are are starting to use bicycles 
and and what 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 hasn't happened is is um, uh, one one vector that would have helped would have been that there would have been more public transport, but public transport in the U.S. is a is a disaster. There's no there's been very little um, uh, willingness to invest in in that, and there seems to be also a, a deep deep seated resistance. Some some call it a conspiracy, but I don't see it that way. I see I see again the the reinforcing factors of uh, how people live and and uh, the, uh, unwillingness to uh, offer uh, right of ways or or um, not in my backyard syndrome. Um, and so there's there's there there's there are these strange aspects of, of. But if you look at places where these restrictions don't exist. People are building more infrastructure for public transport. People are taking it. Uh, there are pressures, like for example, congestion charges that are being placed on, um, uh, in, in you know, city driving. Um, more and more penalties uh, for driving are are being um, being uh, um, added. And so, well, sure, even a lot just of car-free zones. You can't. You simply can't drive in some older parts of cities. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and congestion in itself is the tax that that uh, um, keeps driving uh, uh, to a minimum. But in, anyway, the the thing is that I'm not sure. Again, I'm trying to still get my head around this. Rome is burning, and and how to think about it because I think the 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 you know do we look at it as a negative or as a positive and. Of course, also the the geopolitical aspects of uh, of carbon based fuels, and uh, you know all the crises we're seeing in in well now in in Ukraine, you know have their roots in in uh, in energy. I think the the, the there are there are things happening. Um, one thing, by the way, is just. Notice this fact uh, that the U.S. might in, end up being a net exporter of energy uh, in the next few years, given uh, the uh, boom in in uh, fracking, mm-hmm. fracking, gas, and, yeah. and 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 the shale oil, which which would be an interesting. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a, 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 a you know a permanent situation, but I think it's one that may affect the balance balance globally for for uh, for a while. And some countries are very fragile. And depend so much on oil exactly could, that uh, it might upset. Their economy. Yeah. yeah, so you have countries like, like Venezuela, like uh, obviously the Middle East, but also Russia. Russia is deeply dependent on on hydrocarbons, and uh, and if you know, it, it just tipping the balance slightly could cause massive shifts in 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 that economy. Um, and the, you know, Russia has not. Um, Used its windfall from from uh, from carbon to uh, to invest, if you will, in 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 its society, and so there's been they they don't have a cushion very much. Um, so it, it's it, it very powerful forces are working here. We're looking at you know you have to realize how how important. Um, this behavior change can be because it's going to tip and accelerate things. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, some, some of these things will have unintended consequences, 
but I'm cautiously optimistic that, and that a reduction in, in the automobile sector. And you mentioned also dealership. And this is a very weird thing is how the, the Tesla model is suggestive of the, the, the irrelevance of the dealer network. If you were to design the industry from a clean sheet of paper today, as Musk is doing, is basically you, see, you would see there's no point of de- having dealers. There's no, there's no value add there. In fact, there's value destruction probably. Um, they're from, an, from an, a, a bygone era. And, and also, uh, we talked about this earlier, but if you go to electric, there's actually far less service and maintenance needed. So you, 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 you're going to have this um, double whammy Firstly, that you don't need them to sell the product. And secondly, that you don't need them to service the product. So the two, they used to make money on sales. Now they make mostly money on service. And both of those are going to go away. Um, and so, again, you, you, you know, we have a question about the, uh, that entire infrastructure. And, and it's so important, as you noted, that many towns have abandoned physical retail except for the automobile retail and what why is that so important why do they feel that that still needs investment well i Um, I think from the the legacy car makers and it's interesting compared to tesla if you think about their financial model their customers are the dealers right i mean they they consider you and i customers but we're, we're really the second one because they sell their product to the dealer and then that shifts, so they, they declare revenue, you know, it, it arrives. It may be financed. The dealer has a floor plan or lines of credit for the cars, but, you know, and, and there's always discussion, depending on the ebbing and flowing of the car industry, how much the manufacturers are stuffing the channel. You know, they're, they're shipping more product because they can book manufacturing products, and then they have this other accounting game where they give rebates, and so that might happen two quarters from now or a quarter from now, so I can book a higher margin. This quarter, because I've shipped more to my dealers, um, I worked in the beverage business years ago, and it was uh, similar to that. You know, you'd book your concentrate profits, and then you'd have other places to go. So I, I wonder, and it's surprising to me that Ford apparently, maybe they're all doing this, because in the 90s, Ford did attempt to go direct, but they ran into huge problems with their dealer networks. They were buying up a, a bunch of dealers around Indianapolis to try to go direct and improve the service. Um, but I wonder if that drug is so deep now and the regulation and all the things we've talked about that they just can't get out of it where Tesla is coming at it and maybe politically they'll pull it off and uh, and maybe he'll have a distribution channel for others perhaps. Yeah, you know, the dealerships are, are to me just a net just the, just just a, a net net loss. They're 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 not going to be around. If any anyone is vulnerable, it's it's them. It's them. But again, we have to look at we have to look at 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 that. You know, everything's interconnected. So if that goes away, it's not that you can just can carry on without them. I think there's the there's the problem of of how that has a knock on effect because, like you said, it's a very uh, crucial component um and in fact and we again we this is we've gone over this ground it's that there's an there's that dependency that forces even the decision making about whether what kind of product to build um but yeah so so i i um 
I really started, I mean, I'm still, I guess I, I, I don't have a punchy kind of conclusion to this thought because I don't, I don't quite know what's going to happen. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to, you look at the world and it just, there are so many anomalies and so many differences by, by region and, and, and um, um, by country and rules and regulations and laws and, and, you know, Europe is going in one direction, China is going in another direction, the U.S. is going in yet another, and then you have Africa and emerging markets that are going in yet another. Um, you have the the dimension of, of you know, integration modularity, and, and you have the issues of absence of modularity, which which is an, uh, which is something again we've covered before. We have uh, information as as a new vector to capture value, which again may may or may not be disruptive to to the to the to the incumbents. Um, we have, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> we have the the. Uh, well, regulation obviously, and, and all of the <coughs> politics there that that is not a small factor. Um, well, yeah, and and uh, the trouble is that you can't analyze regulation and, and, and politics in general. But just this is as if there's a random variable mm-hmm. in your equation, because the you know the government can be wise or it can be foolish, and that depends very much on who is involved in in government, you, you, whether you have a, a benevolent or or uh, <laughs> malevolent, um, or you have enlightened versus uh, versus uh, unenlightened. And, and so, the, the, you, you, you know, regulation, maybe if there's one hard and fast rule about regulation is that it tends to be, uh, it, it, it tends to ref- reflect societal norms. But the problem is these norms tend to change. One thing that's in- interesting is if you look at behavior um, and, and what, what is normal, that changes over time. You know, we, we, we see this in our, in our, within a, a matter of years, we see how it's normal for, uh, you know, some things be, go from being taboo to being a completely normal and, 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 and vice versa. Smoking was normal. Now it's taboo. Uh, you know, gay marriage is taboo and now it's normal. And the question I have in my mind is, how these transitions happen and when you probably plot them, if you could plot the, you know, let's say the number of people who would agree that one thing is, is normal or, 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 or abnormal, and you'd probably get an S curve, right? You'd, you'd see that things, very few people, it's a sort of very fringe thing. And then it, it goes through this inflection point and then it, it becomes uh, normal and or or vice versa and and so you have this s curve and the only question is how fast it moves but once it moves it's like at a, it has a very predictable path right once you've got a few data points on that curve you can make the rest of it out and this is because again so from a sociological point of view people observe that that behavior has this 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 um effect on other people which causes them to convert their thinking and so from leadership to mainstream, to to you know holdouts, these things have a, a a pattern. And again, I use this modeling in 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 looking at technology adoption, and and technology adoption is is an instance of the switch in behavior. You go from I don't need a phone 
to absolutely I have a have to have a phone. Then you go, I don't need a smartphone to absolutely I have to have a smartphone. And now we're going through, I don't need a smartwatch. And you will eventually say, I absolutely have to have more than one. So you, you, how that happens in technology is observable. But how it happens on the sort of foundational level, like do we believe it's important to, to, um, uh, uh, to, to you know, let's say be environmentally conscious or recycling or any of these things? At first, it's like an odd thing to do, and then it becomes that everybody has to do it, and it's an odd thing not to do it. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not judging it. It's just a question of, like, how does that happen? And we, you, you, you can imagine a scenario where automobiles will be seen as toxic as cigarettes are, to, or are today, right? You go through a phase where few people see this, this product as... as uh, you know, and they're and they're and they're the, the the strange ones. They're the the oddballs. They're the hippies. They're the the um, the uh, dissidents or what have you, whatever you want to call them. Um, people who who you know are willing to ride their bikes and 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 sweat you know for hours a day just to avoid the comfort of a car. And and you know, might that change? Now, of course, there are cases where it cannot change because actually. The behavior that's being that's being uh, promoted is is just incompatible with with uh, with human nature. So let me give you another example. Let's take a technology that that may may not make it, and that would be, for example, the Segway, as we saw. The Segway didn't make it because it 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 could not conform to human behavior and certainly with, with the rules of the road or the way the roads are designed and a, a lot of other things. So it couldn't quite fit and that didn't make the transition. And, and, and now, you know, there, there's discussion as to whether um, these uh, head-mounted head computers and displays like the Google Glass may be the segues of your face for your face. So you, you have this question, well, maybe, you know, these don't fit in 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 some way, and there might be a behavioral um, uh, option out there. Might be timing too, horse. Uh, you know, uh, Toyota continues to play with uh, sort of their own version of a Segway device, and uh, and Google. Maybe it's just ten years too early, right? I don't know. That's the thing. I really think there are some things. You go go back, and you again, you have to look at history. You have to look at certain types of. Uh, let me go, take you way back, and this is back in the days of the 1940s and 50s, when the U.S. had a housing crisis. There weren't enough homes, and people were actually moving to the suburbs in the desperate, you know, need for 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 housing. And that's when suburbia was born. And suburbia was born out of the, in, the automobile enabled it as well. But suburbia was born because cities were seen as unsustainable places they were uh they were overcrowded they were they were teeming and and unsanitary and uh uh there was an, a desperate need for for the you know urban redevelopment and and so people escaped to, to the to the to the to the suburbs now during that that time there was a crisis in terms of building uh building houses quick enough, fast enough. So all of these people suggested these prefabricated house concepts and people were thinking about geodesic type of uh, uh, construction and some entrepreneurs devised 
you know, uh, some kind of concrete houses which were. Oh, sure, uh, we have uh, berm or earth berm houses. Uh, yes, and Madison, so you could spray stuff. them on. You know, you could right. build them using a form and have the concrete sprayed on, and then you had people who were putting forward all these, all these. Uh, interesting ways of building houses, right? And the problem is that none of them actually took off. What, what ended up being built is exactly the same technology as was in the 19th century, which is a wooden wooden frame house, and that stays to the to today in the United States, right? You, you, we haven't seen any kind of really uh, uh, modern form of of, of house no, construction. It's at, it's at the edges, you know, some materials, and and of course there's. A few out there that do something different, but no, it's it's mostly the same. That's right. So, so there's there is this this question about also people not wanting to live in a strange house. They did not want to live in a in a modern. Uh, they the wanted very much to be. Sphere, right. They wanted to be in a traditional home, and that that is the thing is that human nature, when it comes to these basic things, especially when the decision maker often also involves more than one person, like uh, you know the the. The man and the and and woman in the family need to agree, and they, you know, it, it, you you end up with sort of this this need to conform. I'm I'm reminded of like why is it that all baby strollers are blue? Well, it, it's an amazing thing, but they all are blue, and there's 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 never been an acceptance of a different color for 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 that particular, uh, uh you, you know, uh, uh, consumer product, and so you know there. You, you say there are some things, and I'm not saying necessarily that it is uh, always it, that is the case for for Segway or, or Google Glass. But bear in mind that there are limits to what people are willing to accept, and there are um, there. I, 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 for example, I don't believe that a vehicle with less than four wheels is going to make it ever. I think the four wheel concept is is uh you know we've seen experiments with three wheels and two wheels uh two wheels with sort of like uh uh you know you know, some kind of uh st- stabilizing wheels um uh and, and a lot of concepts around around alternative uh form factors for cars and vehicles and it just i don't see that being being uh being viable uh, you, by the way, also the same thing with airplanes is that we, we you know we we've seen no more innovation in terms of aircraft design really for the last forty years. Um, so so there's there's this question in my mind of uh, of whether we will find a solution in that in 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 the engineering and design phase of yeah, the, of the industry. I wonder if we're looking at the wrong you know, looking at the wrong place within the industry. Um, and that was sort of driven home. I was, I think I was in Texas or somewhere, and I had a rental car. I had a couple of them the last month, and uh, two of them did not have Bluetooth, which sort of was interesting. I think one was a Nissan and one was a Chevy. Not a huge surprise, but then I was just curious how long it's been available. And I think it goes back to the late 90s, early 2000s. I was trying to find some data on the number of cars with Bluetooth around the world, but I have been unable to. I was curious about the change from year to year, and so if, if we think about these changes within the industry, um, you know, the CarPlay from Apple and Google's deals with various manufacturers, maybe in fact, because of the financialization, because of all the issues with change, it has these external things, whether it's improved bikes, 
um, better information about your options from getting to A to B. Maybe, as you say, that's where the, <laughs> that's where the game is going to change, and it's just going to take another 10% of the market away or 20% of the market away for people who buy or use cars, and that will just continue to drive the industry uh, <laughs> to, to a different state in 10 years. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 you know, it it's a it's a challenge that that uh, there it's, it resists a, a good solid analysis because we have too much data, too many details, and I think this you, you know pointing uh, to individual technology like okay, what about Bluetooth? Is that salvation? Is that you know systems in the car? Um, we end up we end up sort of running that down, but it doesn't give us the the final answer. Well, I wasn't thinking about the technology per se, but just the fact that something that must cost pennies these days, I assume, is not in all cars, right? So the the theory that um, CarPlay or Google systems are going to be pervasive in <laughs> what the next three to five years is probably uh, a long shot. Right, right. In no, the current structure, anyway. Right. That the, the, there are these these issues with time, and the the, the fact that that it takes too long. Um, I was also I tweeted this morning um, a quote that came via a comment on one of my one of my posts that in 2006 Elon Musk predicted that the next the next car the next Tesla which turned out to be the Model S would be half the price of the $89,000 Roadster, which was the <laughs> I first I remember product. that forecast, yes. <laughs> and, and so how much is, a, it's, is the Model S today? Well, there's two, two variants. The, the performance version, which is the higher end, is exactly $89,900. The cheaper one is about sixty nine, so nowhere near half. And someone, well, we, we know that they launched a... Um, approximately $50,000 version that they discontinued um, claiming that nobody wanted it. Um, but now, again, we are in facing the situation where how much will be the next um, uh, the next Tesla in price? And I'm sure everyone is expecting a $40,000 car. Still, I think, highly, very expensive. That's the thing that's also frustrating about the lack of really breakout you know the model t was a car that caused the industry to take off and it took off just the timing of it is interesting the car was invented meaning the internal combustion vehicle was invented in 1886 the model t reached 10 percent penetration in the u.s by household by 1915 or so, or maybe a bit later. And uh, th th that means that there were a good 30 years between the invention of the automobile as we know it and the kind of the, the takeoff on the S-curve. Um, and it very quickly went, went, went very quickly up till about 50%, and then it stalled during the depression and then the war that followed and then it started picking up again at a slightly slower pace um, until saturation but that that period between 1915 and 1929 the the automobile industry 
uh, I mean, went to 50% of the U.S., which is phenomenal thinking about what time we were in, right? We're talking about the 1920s. And half the U.S. population, this is when when we went from horses and trains to to uh, the first wave of of mobility, sort of personal mobility in the United States. And um, the, the thing that made it possible, again, was, a, was this production system that brought the costs down. And once Henry Ford nailed that model, then everybody else who was in the car business, and there were hun- hundreds of firms that were created to make cars, they were all extinguished. They, they, that's when we got into a near monopoly with, with Ford, and then GM struggled to... Right. Andy Grove's to, inflection point, right? Right. So you know, there was a struggle by, by GM to try to match the volumes of, of Ford, and they, they, they cracked it on, you know, with, with the idea of providing a vehicle that could be... Mo- a new model could be designed, and, 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 and there could be these model changes every year and that allowed them to be competitive with Chevrolet uh, and matching in one-to-one with, with Ford. But that, that period was one of massive scale. And so the thing that made the, made the automobile industry was the, the uh, mainstream, uh, you know, allowing this, this, this technology to go mainstream. And, and what's, what I struggle with again, with, with, challengers like tesla are how what is their maybe we're just like you said impatient because how long has it been uh you know 2006 the 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 roadster was 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 the car and now it's 2014 and the model s but the model s is how many thirty thousand units a year or something like that for it to be even the mini my benchmark is the mini which is not a mainstream i mean the mini is not like by any means uh, as popular as uh, you know Toyota Camry or, or, or the Accord or, or the right. Golf or or even even the hybrid uh, um, Prius, and yet it sells in three hundred thousand units a year. So ten times more than the Model S gets you to niche. You know, gets you to a comfortable niche. Ten times increase. Uh, how many years will it take? And at what price point would would the Model S or Model well, Next S be to to get there? And that's this that's this frustration that we we you know the the challengers aren't building solutions that are that are truly asymmetric and truly um, uh, able to take on the game as it's played. The game is volumes. The game is. Is oh, one thing I do I do in my in my talks um, in, in in the air show, for example, is uh, to 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 describe scale in 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 visual ways. And so the, the the illustration I use is I show the auto industry and the volume since its inception, and meanings from 1900, let's say, till present. And we we have a graph showing a U.S. auto production, and it peaks around 18 million units. Um, including trucks, right? 18 million peak production, and it has come down from there. And and so that's the scale of the U.S. auto market. Then I, I show the the mobile phone. Uh, sorry, at first I show the PC market, and the PC market, although 
the U.S. Uh, it's not U.S. only; it's global. That one reaches 400 million peak, uh, approximately, and that too is coming down. And then I show the mobile phone. Actually, not all of it, but the smartphone market, and that's now at a billion units. But when you put these things next to each other, you just see that the 18 million is almost invisible relative to these other figures of devices and computers. And the point I'm making, though, is that if you take that 18 million, which is U.S. only, it's not the global market. The global market would be about 60 million. Peak production, right. Mm -hmm. Peak production, U.S. only. Globally, it's again, it's over 60 million, and that's only cars. And and look at that, and you see 30,000? It's... It's it's a rounding error. Hardly it's worth just, discussing, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, and we can't ignore it, and we're not. I'm not dismissing it, but it, we're a few orders of magnitude away from this being something that we can actually be hopeful about changing the world. That's where I, that there's frustration because you, you, it seems like you can't get there from here. That's the question about about. What is the route by which you'll get there from from where we are? And if that means waiting decades, then it's 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 uh, it it just feel you feel like that's just a huge loss of opportunity. Uh, same thing, by the way, with with uh, um, with with the frustration around. Although I think it's more disruptive than than Tesla, but this iStream iStream process from from Gordon Murray, they began. And got into a. We should link. The, there's a new article that's been published under web. Uh, on uh, I tweeted it, but we should put it in the show notes. Basically, um, a few more details came out about the process. One is that it actually has the sweet spot. Uh, actually, like Richard Mark said, uh, around uh, thirty thousand. I think he he claims that iStream can go up to uh, even a hundred thousand, maybe even a hundred and twenty thousand. Uh, but it can't get to the 300,000 mark, which is, again, to me, that's right. the bogey. Volume, it's the, volume it's the, car. It, yeah, it's the mini uh, bogey that, that I'm targeting here, which is a global niche. But iStream, even though it's scaled, it's scalable, and it's very small and, 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 and um, it very potentially disruptive in, in a smaller scale, right? It, it has been years and years, and no product shipping yet right they right. started discussions in 2008 with with yamaha yamaha still hasn't shipped he also mentions in this article that there are four or five others who some actually are further along than yamaha but they can't talk about it yet and he also noted that he was surprised when he started the the venture he thought that he could license this to the incumbents and he's surprised that no incumbents have taken license yet. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not either. We shouldn't be. But that's that's the nature of 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 of, of you know that that there's proof that is it is a disruptive thing. Um, and he even mentions that you know a Sony or an Apple or a Google could take a license and make cars. Yeah, well, uh, this know, technology some... will allow that. Right. And it it it's fascinating and, and provocative and exciting, but you just become really frustrated when you look, the, look at the years go by and nothing's really happening. And, and, and it seems like they're on the, the clock cycle is, um, is really, really much, much slower it's from the steam era almost. Right. Uh, and that's, that's the frustration, I suppose. Indeed. The, uh, 
I th- I'd like to close a bit and reflect a bit back on uh, our friends with the, um, the teenage son who's just not interested in driving. Um, you know, growing up, and I think you have a good amount of models in your home, Horace, if I recall. Car models I'm talking about. And, you know, I, I, I put those things together when I was growing up, and it's interesting how the car industry, um, unlike a lot of other businesses, I, you know, and I, and I have that mixed feelings on some of this, but if you look at Google, Microsoft, um, Apple to some degree, they all try to play a role in the education systems around the world. And again, I, you know, there's privacy issues, there's all sorts of things we could talk about, but today, um, other than fringe things like 3D printing, um, there, there's just very little, um, let's say, auto-related um, skills or auto-related affinities that I see in, in that world. Um, so I, I think all those things add up to changing demand, changing expectations. Um, you know, there was another product I remember, you know, messing around with when I was a kid. came from a company called Cox in Los Angeles. There were these little gas-powered cars and, and airplanes. And, you know, there's a little bit of that around. Certainly drones today for kids are interesting, controlled by your smartphone. Um, but I, I think maybe the car guys, because they're so oriented to the way it is and the way that they assume it always is, um, maybe like the cell phone industry, you know, where you <laughs> you have to do deals with the carriers, the operators, and that maybe ultimately might blind you to the new the new thing whenever that happens. Um, so maybe maybe it will be as you say the 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 ice stream technology. I could envision somebody smart once said uh, facts are free, but forecast costs or speculation costs. I think that was you said that a while. <laughs> opinions <laughs> opinions are expensive. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, so I, I could it used to be the other way around, right? I mean, people yeah. say everybody has an opinion. So but, uh, you I know, could uh, see the the pieces of this puzzle are something like the City Mapper app where. They get a user base that depends on them and finds them useful to get to solve their movement problems, their atomic movement problems. And then somebody like Richard Marks, who has a vehicle that could play in those urban spaces, gets traction with one of those guys who might be acquired by Google or Amazon or you know, pick a company um, somewhere around the world. And they start providing services. And oh, by the way, they, they vertically integrate and have their own vehicles, their own electric vehicles, because it's modular, it's not that expensive, they can get volume up to 30,000, 50,000, 100,000 to satisfy their needs, and all of a sudden they're eating away at a bigger chunk of the market with car or, or transport as a service as opposed to a car dealer and all that. So there would be my speculation for the day horse, that five years from now that something like that will occur. Yeah, I think the cultural aspect is something we, I, I'm sensing as well as this, the fact that it seems like cars are for old people and young people are not interested and, and it it feels it feels like like something from a bygone era it feels archaic it feels like it uh, e- even shows like you know top gear the the, the hosts and or the the presenters as they're called they're old men and and you know who who plays with 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 cars these days uh you know are are you know Jay Leno and, and people like that of that generation? I think I think the the millennials are are don't have the passion 
um, some do, of course, but it's not the same that as as their as their as as their parents. And there there is this um, uh, the sunset feel about the 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 culture of of automobiles, and of course you have that in evidence with uh, the toys and the, uh, the, the 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 hobbies that kids have and have uh, they used to be uh, very excited about toy cars and and having even remote control um, cars, but nowadays they're 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 not in favor. Um, and um so yeah there's 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 a lot going on and i think um people's for example who 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 knows when i was in in school you know some kids would go to learn about how to rebuild engines and and uh there were people who spent their weekends tinkering with with cars and and engines and every kid wanted to own one and and uh the uh that is that cul- that culture is very much uh uh rare today because it, it it it's actually hard to get a car you can tinker with um anyway i think i think you know this is pretty pretty well trodden ground i i i i, I think observations about the culture and the, and the changes happening is one thing what i struggle with is again trying to f- Think about and try to be 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 uh, com- confident about what the future will be, and how do we see, see that through? Um, I guess the more we talk about this, the more difficult it becomes. I think it was a confidence in the beginning that that there there was an answer, but now I think more and more um, it, it it's uh, it's it's hard to get. A, an absolute answer. I think there, there's there's definitely the little things here and there that are you can be confident about, um, but timing and and so on is is still 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 challenging. 